Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The Pure Hoops podcast is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. The Pure Hoops podcast most definitely does reflect the views of our management. Here's three-time NBA champ BJ Armstrong and Eric Newman. Pure Hoops Podcast. Thursday. BJ, am I reading the calendar right? Is it July 1st? July 1st, baby. July 1st. If you told me it was September of 2020, I would believe you. Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. No sense of time. And, uh, you know, thankfully where I live, it's uh, between 67 and 72 degrees and sunny every day. There's there's no no difference. (laughs) There's no difference. So, yes, I'm adjusting quite well to... The West Coast, and um, you know, one thing that we've joked about a little bit that I just, I am so just um, in love with, and it's too bad the season is is almost over. But these these five six o'clock start times on these playoff games are uh, are tailor made are tailor made for Eric Newman. So, yes, yeah. with that being said, the Phoenix Suns are the Western Conference champions. And of course, the East, the Bucks, and the Hawks are playing Game Five tonight. The Bucks will be without Giannis. More on that shortly. But the Phoenix Suns going back to the NBA Finals for the first time since 1993. We'll get to that later in the show as well. But uh, BJ, I just want to start off with your thoughts on the Suns' performance and uh, closing it out on the road. And Chris Paul, Monty Williams, Devin Booker, and the rest of the crew on their way to the finals. Well, you want to say congratulations to the Suns organization and franchise for a job well done. And this has been a long road for them. And it's been well documented how long it's been. Um, They didn't make the playoffs a year ago. And suddenly to go from not making the playoffs. Haven't made the playoffs in 10 years. Yes, not. Not and making the, the playoffs. Yeah. yeah. I mean, just, just yeah. in the year alone, not making the playoffs. And then suddenly now in the NBA Finals, that's an incredible achievement. Considering not only what everything that's going on, every other team's had to deal with, whether it's COVID, playing in the bubble, trades, all of the things that's going on, not only on the court, but off the court as well, that's in the world. It's been an amazing achievement and well-deserved, you know, Shout out here to Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, and of course, the future Hall of Famer, Chris Paul. And, you know, I'm really happy for Chris Paul because it's been a long road for him. And uh, he's had his ups and downs throughout his career, injuries, untimely injuries for him. And for him to continue to battle, continue to persevere, and have an opportunity to play for an NBA championship well-deserved. So uh, congratulations to them. I thought they played outstanding all year. And certainly, you know, they've been, you know, one of the best teams, if not the best team thus far. And uh, they have an opportunity to win the final game of the season now 
So um, we'll see how this plays out as the Eastern Conference here has an opportunity to, you know, one team is going to get closer to getting to the, to represent the Eastern Conference in the finals as well. You know, BJ, basketball, I mean, sports in general at times play out like films and dramas. And I, I just can't uh, get over the fact that Chris Paul got to do this on the Clippers home floor after all those years and being close and those disappointments. And then obviously, um, you know, was close with the Rockets and, and had that injury there. Um, it was it was wild to see uh, him in that setting and, and able to get it done. And, um, you know, over the years, we've seen different stars put in the time try to climb the mountain, get knocked down, try to climb the mountain, have a disappointment, and they keep going back and they keep competing. And say what you want about Chris Paul, he's turned franchises around. He hasn't gotten a franchise to the mountaintop, but what he did for the Clippers, he helped push the Rockets to within one win of the finals, obviously with James Harden and the other cast of uh, players there. And then, you know, let's not forget last year what he did for the Oklahoma City Thunder before landing with uh, with the Suns. Um, one thing that I, I really was impressed with uh, last night, and it's something that's been a key to this team, is um, obviously Chris had a huge scoring game, something we haven't seen uh, along those lines in quite a while. But there just seems to be this natural balance. And even though Chris had 40, and I think he had eight or nine assists, Crowder and Aiton and obviously Booker. Um, this balance to me um, is the key to them getting this far. And, and I think this balance is what is going to, uh, as you like to say, uh, put them in position to win their last game of the season. Um, what are you most excited about, aside obviously from this team being healthy, though Cameron Johnson didn't play in game six, but what are you most excited about um, regarding the Suns and how they're playing right now as they head to the finals and wait to see who their opponent is from the East? Well, Eric, you know, there's no, there's nothing that replaces your first. And this is the first opportunity for many of these players, the first time in the playoffs, period. Mm -hmm. Okay, when you talk about Devin Booker, I mean, he is playing like a pro's pro, a vet of vets and we can't forget, he's only, what, 24 years of age. DeAndre Ayton, this is his very first time in the playoffs. He has been magnificent as an anchor for this team, in particular on the defensive end. Last night was no exception. And the one thing that we can say that Monty Williams has really, you know, infused this team with is how they play on the road. They play great on the road. Now, that's the sign of a great team. But they've been doing this all year. If I'm not mistaken, Eric, I think they have the best road record in the NBA this year. So for them to go on the road, close games out. You saw them do it in the previous series against the Denver Nuggets. They do it again in this series. This team is poised. This team has great veteran leadership, Chris Paul. They have the youth scoring activity from Devin Booker. And then the, you can't say enough about the big man. You know, the big man has been stellar. I mean, he's taken on every matchup. 
first AD, round against the yeah Joker. Lakers, Jokic. Now this matchup here, uh, in this series, he's been fantastic. So you you have every reason to believe that the future is going to be bright and shining in the Valley of the Sun. Okay, as long as they can maintain their health, those two players in particular, DeAndre Ayton. And 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 Devin Booker, those two guys, you're saying we got something special here now. Uh, Chris Paul is 36. We don't know how long he's going to continue to play at this level. The way he's playing now, it looks like he can do this for another three or four years, which is scary for everyone else. But you got to believe at some point, you know, Father Time doesn't doesn't miss anyone, especially us little guards. Hmm. It's going to catch up to him. But his leadership, what he has infused into this group this is a special group and it's come together very quickly right i mean you're talking 72 games first year for everybody and they're just they just hit the ground running so i like this team i like what they do and here they are and i don't think anyone would have said that at the beginning of the season you like them on paper but right now you're looking at them going maybe they can get a two or three out of this Okay, if they are able to win, maybe because Devin Booker is going to get better. And the big fella, <laughs> the big fella right now is playing like he's ready at some point in the next three to five years. He's going to be able to anchor a team on both ends of the court. So it's looking great for Phoenix right now. And uh, I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, but I really like what I'm seeing. The excitement and anticipation around how good Aiton and Booker can become is like, it's, it, it's really exciting to think about. Um, one other guy that deserves a lot of credit here, and he has been a valuable, gritty, timely role player now in uh, a number of winning situations. And that's Jay Crowder. Can you Job, paint a man. picture? Can you paint a picture for, uh, you know, those who, who may not be overly familiar with him and the role he plays, like just how important is Jay Crowder and the role he plays for the Suns in winning? Well, you know, there's always been a formula and, and the star players should garnish the headlines in the league because they are stars. You know, you can't take away anything from the Kevin Garnett's, the James Harden's of the world, LeBron James, so forth and so on those players who are star players. And the formula has always been, you know, the great players must be great, but the role players have to play their role great. Jay Crowder is a star role player. He's a star. And his contribution to the team, what does he do? He brings toughness. He guards the best offensive player on the perimeter. And in the interior every single night. He brings grit, he's a pro's pro, but more importantly, he, he is a timely score <laughs> in key situations, right? Yep. He, he reminds me in some sense of like Robert Ory, you know, you, mm. you know he's not really in the scouting report, but he, he's always there making a play either on the defensive end or making the shot in a timely fashion. He just has a knack for it. I love how he plays. He, he, 
He carries out the game plan. He pushes it right to the line without ever putting his team in detriment. He shows up every single night. And what I love about him is he takes on the challenge, right? He's, he's not the first, second, or third option, but he takes on the challenge. He guards Kevin Durant. He guards LeBron James. He guards Paul George. Then he, he guards the interior players. He guards Jokic. He guards, he guards everybody. And give him credit. And, you know, Chris Paul and Monty Williams and all these guys are getting all of this credit, as they should. But let's, let's you know, shine a little light on this pro. He is a pro. What he does in the locker room for all of the players. You know, everyone can't be a star, right? We look at Chris Paul and we look at these guys, Devin Booker. But you know what? Jay Crowder is an example of what it takes to be a professional in this league. And he is much appreciated. I'm sure the team, his teammates appreciate him. And all of us, you know, who watch the game, those are the guys who make can take a good team from a, to a great team. When you start adding those Jay Crowder type of players, those are key contributions. So you got to give, you know, James Jones and his staff credit for identifying a player like that, bringing him in, allowing him to fit in and be an example to their young players. But more importantly, what he does on the court, he's contributed to winning and he affects the bottom line without question. It's interesting to think about his um, journey since going to the Celtics in the 2014 Dallas-Boston-Rajon Rondo deal. You know, a role player with promise, but, you know, I'm not going to say he was a throw-in on the in the trade, but I don't think people expected him to become this type of, of player in terms of uh, consistency and impact. 2017, Celtics, Conference Finals. Then he helps the Jazz advance. Then he ends up with the Miami Heat in the NBA Finals. And now with the Phoenix Suns in the NBA Finals. So um, hat off to him and the role he's played and what he brings to that team. And also with, you know, the, the 2021 and obviously the, the style of play and what we're seeing on the floor that that that's only going to continue to evolve in the way it's been him next to Aiton at that undersized step out four who can guard as you said I mean if, if it's a perimeter uh scorer who's not a one Jay Crowder's checking okay. out and and yes. defending and making timely threes and uh that's a that's a high compliment to put him in the same sentence as Robert Ory but a lot of similar situations. And if Jay Crowder makes some clutch threes in the NBA Finals that lead to a championship, well, he very well may remain on that path. Um, I got one thing that's really been bugging me, and, and we talk about this um, when there are injuries that affect series. And, you know, people are saying, you know, and I say people, the casuals who unfortunately make all the, the noise on social media and because of the fact that the Suns played the Lakers, who weren't fully healthy, because they played Denver without Murray, because they played the Clippers without Kawhi, um, people are having that ridiculous asterisk conversation. What, what, what do you say to just teams dealing with the circumstances in front of them and the fact that this has been a um obviously last year was a bizarre season this year is a season like no other because of the condensed schedule because of trying to get back on track uh and the the different pattern to the schedule along with dealing with the COVID ramifications and guys going down but you know this uh 
this this um, criticism is the wrong word, but not giving the Suns their due because of who they beat and the um, current status of that team and their injuries to get to the finals. Um, I think it's wrong. I think it's foolish. I wanted to get your take on it. Well, you know, when when you're playing, Eric, you have to show up and give the Suns credit. The Suns have showed up. The Suns have been dealing with the same thing every other team has been dealing with throughout this pandemic protocol, so forth and so on. Their latest is with Chris Paul. I mean, you lose Chris Paul for literally 10 days. Yeah. And before and the, and that, and before that with the shoulder stinger. Yes. So everyone is dealing with what they have to deal with to get through this season. If anything, we could say this playoff should be called the last man standing. This, mm. <laughs> this journey here right now. That's what it should be called. That's great. That's the story because of the postseason. Last that's man the story, standing. You know, because everyone who's played professional sports or played sports period understands that injuries are a part of the game. When you have a condensed schedule in a short amount of time, injuries are to be expected at a higher rate. Now, we don't know why we, I think we know why, but look, everyone is dealing with this situation, the pandemic and everything that's going on as best they can. Everyone is right. This is where sports and business comes together and it's, it's got to just do what it has to do. Right. If you don't play, you know, these guys can't earn a living, right? They're, Everyone in the world right now is trying to figure this out. So the best that the the NBA and the players union, when those guys sit down is we're going to try to make this work as best we can, but we know the ramifications of what could happen and what you're seeing are players getting injured. Why? Because you can't continue to play like this and you don't have the proper rest time and recovery time. You're going to expose yourself. And whether it's no one's around or someone's around, look, these guys are incredible athletes generating enormous amounts of force. And this is this is the risk that everyone's taking. Okay, unfortunately, people have gotten hurt. But that's that's what it is. So what other choice and what other option did you have? Like that's not the son's yeah. problem. That's not the nope. son's when it's all said and done, the LA Lakers were the NBA champions last year. Doing that 50 game schedule, I remember when I played, there was a 50 game 98 you know, yep. somewhere around there. Hey, I think the Spurs won the championship this year. I can't remember, but I think it was the Spurs won it. Yep. They Spurs were the champions. The yep. This year, whoever's going to be the champion is well deserved. Everyone is facing the same thing. So, you know, we can sit here and compare, and we love to compare, but I don't think, you know, it would be different if they only had to play 72 games and the other teams had to play 82 games. Okay, right. now we now we can say something. But, you know, it is what it is. I, I get it. We love to say something. But I'm, I'm going to I, – I want to say this about the Phoenix Suns. The Phoenix Suns, they deserve everything they've gotten – and everything they're going to get. And every team in the league can say coulda, woulda, shoulda. 
The Suns could have said could have, would have, should have. And this has been tough for everybody. But give them credit. They fought through it. And, um, and here they are. So one half of this has already been named. Now we're waiting on the next half. Absolutely. Um, so you just said something really, uh, an ideal transition line. The Suns deserve everything that they're getting. One thing that they didn't deserve was what happened with about five minutes left on the clock last night heading into a timeout where Pat Beverly cheap shot, two-hand shoved Chris Paul in the back. He obviously crossed the line. I know we're in a different era right now, but I was shocked that nobody on the Suns bench really went after him. And I'm not trying to start up some controversy or get you to say something, but you know, you played in the one of the most physical eras of of the NBA, where you know, face to face shoving matches, altercations, the style of play led to that. Um, were you surprised that no one on Phoenix? Went to um, Chris's defense, and obviously, I mean, I'm sure we're on the same page with no, how we feel about yeah. what Pat Bev did. I just, I watched the replay, and I'm watching these guys standing there, and obviously nobody wants to get suspended. Nobody wants to put a black eye on the league. But, you know, he, A, he could have hurt Chris. B, we know the rules. Whether you're in the league, in the high school gym, or at the park, you never push somebody in the back. It doesn't matter if they're walking away from you or they're going up for a layup. So, I wanted to talk about that real quick because it just le- it left a bad taste in my mouth. And I, Pat Beverly makes an impact on the game because he plays with that heart. He plays with that passion, but he's also contributed to guys getting hurt before and he takes things too far. And, and last night for me, just, it, it really crossed the line. Yeah, I, I, I definitely understand what you're saying and, and I get it. And you don't like to have any physical altercations during the game, but that's a part of the game. Okay. There, there whenever there's a lot of chatter going on on the court. Okay. And which I've is, never, which I've is, been, which is every night, which is every so night. I've been watching Pat Bev since high school. I've never seen him play without talking. Yep. Okay. Now you, okay. Normally in the regular season, I would I would agree with what you're saying. Someone should have came to his defense. When you get to the NBA finals, okay, cooler heads will prevail. The fact that everyone maintained their level of cool in that moment to me showed that this is a team that's focused. Great point. No one big picture. Forget this hey, bullshit. Was, yep. Hey, hey, game was one. Yep. Someone comes off the bench and suddenly now, because of the rules, remember, the yep. rules state now player X has been suspended for two games for violating. Well, well what's interesting, though, is it was a dead ball going into a timeout. So you already had guys on the floor. So it's not like it would have been a leaving the bench situation. But if but, Frank, but if Frank Kaminsky, who's standing right there, lays out Pat Bev. He's gone Everyone for two or three focused. games of the finals. So yep. I like the yep. fact that no one budged. Yep. Because if Chris Paul gets thrown out of the game and Pat Bev gets thrown out of the game, 
I think we know which part would have the bigger impact if you got to a game seven. Oh, of course. Of course. At okay. that point, though, the so, game was over, but I understand your point. The, 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 the fact that no one moved and everyone maintained, I said, okay, this team is focused. They have a championship mentality right now because you can't let the small things get in the way of what we're trying to do. I understand what you're saying. My ego said the same thing, Eric. I wanted to be tough in that moment. That's all I wanted to hear from you. What, but the, I what the inside but, was saying. Oh, my but, God. Yeah. But, but yeah. I couldn't in that moment saying, and I think Chris Paul's reaction afterwards summed it up for me. Yep. Whatever he said, which <laughs> I don't need to know what he said, <laughs> but he knew he said something that clearly struck a nerve. Yeah. Now, I don't know what was said in the first five games, but in game six, clearly Chris Paul won the battle of the verbal altercation and, maybe, and, and whatever was going on there. Maybe, and maybe that's where Chris uh, wanted it to go, uh, just, may, just to send a message. May, literally, maybe, I literally, don't know. BJ, these are not the droids you're looking for. Like, yeah. literally playing those mind games. But for me, it's, it's like, it's like it me in my era. I'm playing against Gary Payton, and all of a sudden... <laughs> Gary starts surfing at me, and I go, he can't do that to me. Like, <laughs> that's part of the game. Yeah. That's that's part of it. You know what I mean? So, again, I think Chris Paul was very aware of whatever was being said, what was done. I'm sure there's a history there. And I just love the fact how the Phoenix Suns, how they all responded. That, to me was impressive. That to me was like, oh, because it requires a level of discipline. One through 12. All of those guys were focused in that moment. Yep. Every single one of them. So uh, I, that, that's what I saw. Great points. Great points. I'm, I'm now trying to picture you in a, in a, in a, in a scrum with Gary Payton. Um, Paul George... Couldn't be the hero last night, but Paul George had a heck of a playoff run um, after a, a few tough moments early on. Reggie Jackson has proved himself in a big way. Terrence Mann has proved to be a, a talent on the rise. DeMarcus Cousins has shown that he can be a contributor uh, playing a specific role in a situation. Kawhi Leonard, of course, has been sidelined with an ACL injury that I don't think any of us know the extent of yet, but obviously it's not good or else he would have been on the floor. So I set that all up to say, and of course, Serge Ibaka was lost for the playoffs. Who um, has an ACL? Who did you say? Is Kawhi it Leonard. Oh, it, is that what they announced? Well, 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 it's, it's an ACL injury. We don't know if it's a tear, oh, okay. a okay, sprain. We still don't know. I'm hearing okay. different things from different people, but I'm not about to say this is right. what's okay. actually happened because the team hasn't announced it. And we know Kawhi's um, injury history in terms of trying to keep things quiet. We know what happened with the disconnect with the Spurs, what led him to Toronto. So I mentioned these names. I mentioned these elements. And, of course, Ty Lue did an unbelievable job with this team. What is next for the Clippers, in your opinion? What is next? Is it, is it bring back this crew with some slight tweaks? Or is there um, something larger on the horizon here? I think it's time for the Clippers to ask themselves, what is their window of opportunity? 
I think it's time. I, I you know, they've made what uh, uh, the last two years. Courtney, last year was the first year they got together, right? And I think last it's year now, was the, yes. Last yeah, year was yeah, the additions was the of George okay. and Leonard. Right. Yep. I think it's time for them to ask. Okay, are we going to make a, a two-year run? Is Kawhi Leonard? What is his commitment to the organization? Right. I, I believe he's a free agent, or he can opt out. He, he can opt out. I think it's time for the organization to ask themselves, what what's the window here? And I think that will dictate how they're going to build this team out. And I, I just think it's time, right? And, you know, those guys both have played a lot of basketball over the years, talking about Paul George and Kawhi, and Kawhi Leonard. And with that, they're going to command, if they're going to be, the max players on the team, they're going to be the centerpieces for this team. Then you're going to have to have a commitment for them and say, we're going to go for for the next two years or three years or what have you, and then go from there. Because what they have shown is when they are healthy, they're pretty good. But for whatever the reasons may have been, right? Last year, they're up 3-1, they lose, well-documented. This year... Kawhi Lennon arguably was the best player prior to the injury in the playoffs. Kawhi Lennon was Kawhi he was, Leonard single-handedly he was, he was won that series against the Dallas Mavericks. He single-handedly did that. Okay, he was on both ends of the court. Kawhi Leonard was without question. Put put him on his back. Without if he wasn't the best player, he was 1A. He has been the best player up until that point, up until that injury. Paul George, you know, that's the Paul George, you know, we really haven't seen this Paul George in my in my estimation since Indiana. He was aggressive. And you know what I love more than anything is he lived in the criticism. Like, yeah. hey, if you're going to take the big shot and you want to be the hero, if you miss the shot, live with it. And yeah, I like he, the fact he, that he, he bounced he, back. Yeah, he, lead, he led them past the top seed in the Western Conference, the Utah Jazz, who had home court right. advantage and had some huge moments and huge games. Absolutely. Now, now I love the fact, if you tell me Paul George and, and Kawhi Leonard are going to be healthy and and we're going to build around that, I can't argue that. That's a big if right now, okay? That's a big if. And unfortunately for the Clippers, because I'm sure behind closed doors, they felt or they feel that they could have won it this year had Kawhi Leonard been healthy, but he wasn't. And now you move on. Those guys who were healthy, you know, when they their number was called, give that that Clippers, you know, staff credit. Those guys perform. You know, whether it was Boogie coming off the bench, Terrence Mann, Reggie Jackson, you Marcus know, Morris. Mar Marcus Morris. I mean, those Zubat. guys and, all and performed. And let's not forget Zubat got Zubats who Zubat, was well, Zubat got hurt. Got as hurt. Well. So, you know, if you can get Zubat, Serge Ibaka, Kawhi Leonard back, and let's say we can get 65 to 70 games from those guys next year, and those guys can go to the playoffs, I'm okay with that. But again, that's going to be a commitment from the group, and I think that's going to start with Kawhi Leonard's, where's his mindset and what is his commitment to the organization? Yep. Is he going to sign? So that way you can continue to build a team either around those two players or go in a different direction. 
Last question on the Clippers, and we talked about this a lot during the season in terms of what you thought they needed was that downhill lead guard who could shot create, play make, and not have Kawhi and Paul George have to do all of that from the wings. In your opinion, does Reggie Jackson now solve that and fill that void for the next couple of years after what you saw from him in the playoffs? Well, what you saw from Reggie Jackson was Reggie Jackson really did a nice job of shooting the basketball. When you shoot the basketball and you make shots, that, that, that's a huge, huge bonus. I still would like the, the the Clippers to have a guard who can play off screen role, attack the basket to create and get the ball out of, you know, Kawhi Leonard and 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 and, and Paul and, and uh, Paul George's hand as much as possible. I would. Now, I like Reggie Jackson. What he was able to do, he shot it. He kept the floor space. He not only shot the ball well, but he attacked the basket equally as well. Yep. Not in the way, in the sense of a traditional way of like getting it and breaking you down. Like he gets to the basket and he would finish at the rim. And he was terrific for them. He played with, you know, the the veteran leadership. He gave. He was savvy. He played hard on both ends of the court, and he hit. Big shot after big shot throughout the playoffs. So I thought they 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 found a, a nice fit for them. I still would like to see an additional ball handler, initiator, who can attack and really create havoc in the paint. I think that's I think that's that's critical. You know, Chris Paul, you know, he you know, he he gets in there, he throws lobs, he breaks the defense down, he does things, screen roll. I think that part of the game is still critical if you're going to be a championship caliber team. But again, maybe, you know, that's enough to win it. But if you're asking me, I still think, you know, that one little guard would be, would be probably in their best interest if they could find it. Copy all that. Let's head East bucks, Hawks, both battling injuries. Giannis has been ruled out for game five. By the time you listen to this game five will be complete. And one of these teams will be ahead 3-2 with game six back in Atlanta. My question here for you is, can the Bucs figure out how to win this series if Giannis can't get back on the floor? Well, you know, when I looked at that game, obviously that, that was a huge blow to the Milwaukee Bucks when, they, when Giannis went down. And thank goodness, you know, if the reports are accurate, that there's no structural damage. I mean, and, he, he, he's literally, he's a six foot 10 Gumby, muscular yeah, Gumby. If, if, I mean, that thing that is extended yeah. so bad. If that is true, the Bucks, Giannis dodged the bullets and, you know, uh, that, that was, hey, that's phenomenal, phenomenal news, if that's what it is. And let's hope for him to get back in a speedy recovery. Now, let's get back to the game. I think this Atlanta Hawks team is playing with confidence. Okay, you can't forget, they didn't have Trey Young for the entire game. And they won that game handily, in my opinion, once, you know, the absence of Giannis. I think the, I think the Atlanta Hawks' confidence, they believe that they are better than the Milwaukee Bucks. Just the way, just the way they played in the last game, like, like, you know, you, when you saw Bogdanovich and Danilo and Clint Capella 
you know, those guys were playing with a, a, a level of bravado that was like, we can do this. And we could do this without Trey Young. Now, so impressive. Nate McMillan has this team playing with a ton of confidence. I don't know who is going to stop the momentum for the Milwaukee Bucks. Because you got to have that. There's always a part in that 48 minutes where nothing is going to work and you just got to have a player to stop it, stop the momentum. I thought the Atlanta Hawks did something very interesting in last in the last game. They just played old school basketball and they just went right to the post. I thought that was interesting. They just put Danilo on the post. They just find, they, find the matchup and go they, to it. They, they didn't even find the matchup. They just over. said, we're going to the post. Yeah. Now, that to me shows that they feel that they can come down and get the ball into the operating area and force you to do something. Are you going to double team? If not, work. I, you put Trey Young back on the court. I don't know if he's going to play or not tonight, but I got to believe he's going to come back at some point here. I just think they have more weapons to utilize on the offensive end than the than the Milwaukee Bucks. Giannis is that good. Giannis is like five players in one. Midas him, I think now you got to move Chris Middleton there. Now you got to force you know, Chris, Drew Chris Holiday. Middle, Chris Middleton is going to have to play the best basketball of his, of his and life. I just, and and yeah. then some, along with yeah. Holiday, yeah. along with Bobby Portis. And the crowd is going to play a huge role. They've yeah, got two so home I, games left. So if, I just if, think, I, yeah. I think, I think, I think the Atlanta Hawks feel like they're the better team. And if you're asking me, I think the Atlanta Hawks right now are the better team. And you know, and and you know, I, I like the Bucks, but without Giannis, I think this is going to be an uphill battle. And uh, we'll see how they respond here this evening. Hypothetical, Hawks win game five in Milwaukee. Everything's on the line for the Bucks in game six back in Atlanta. No structural damage to the knee. How tough is that call to make on whether or not he tries to go out there and play I, when, I don't think when, they're, when they're so close? I don't think there's no way. I mean, listen. I'm celebrating the fact that I'm I'm hoping that's what it is. I mean, you saw the same thing I saw. I I I I didn't I was like, oh you know, he's I don't like to see any player get injured, right? I don't care if it's a you know, injury stink. I mean, there's just no way of, you know, there's no way around that. Yep. If that's all it was, right, that's all it is, let's get out of here. Woo. <laughs> Let's get out of here and say, we'll see you next season. Okay? If that's what it is, because that didn't look good to me, Eric. Okay? That still hurts me just thinking about it. Like, oh, man. Like, and he's a big man. He's a seven-footer. You know? So, yep. I don't think there's any way that he plays. Um, but I know he's a warrior. And knowing him, he, he if that's the case, I can see him. Saying, let's go. I could see him. 
let's give it a I, shot. Get me yeah, out there I for guess, get me out there yeah, for pregame. But listen, if the Bucks can figure out how to win Game Five again, when you're listening to this, the, the Game Five will already be decided. But if Milwaukee is ahead in this series, uh, then obviously the 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 Bucks can buy time, not have to even entertain trying to play him in Game Six. And you know you you know you've got a Game Seven at home. But if they lose Game Five. And they're back in Atlanta, and we know how competitive Giannis is. We know how driven Giannis is, uh, and he's done a great job of blocking out the noise, but you know he knows what's being said about him, his MVPs, his free throw shooting, what he does and doesn't do on the floor, and um, I just have a hard time believing he won't try to give it a go if they're down 3-2, and he can at least try to warm up. But uh, you said it perfectly. I mean, rough injury to 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 witness i can't imagine how he's feeling and there's obviously quite a future ahead for him in milwaukee so uh we will see how that plays out um are you ready i'm ready are you ready hey i stay ready so i never have to get ready we are going back to the 90s 1993 nba finals the last time the phoenix suns were in the finals and guess who they played against who did they play bj armstrong john paxson bill cartwright horace grant scotty pippen michael jordan and the rest of the chicago bulls you guys beat the New York Knicks in a memorable, hard-fought six-game series to get there out of the East. The Suns, and a lot of people forget about this series. Do you remember? Well, obviously, you were playing in the East, but you'll remember the series. The Suns played the Sonics in a seven-game thriller, which was the year before Seattle then had the best record and got knocked out in the first round by Matumbo and the Nuggets. Seattle took right. them to seven. Still wearing the old school unis. I actually have that uh, Sonics mug somewhere. I just I got some new uh, some new vintage mugs for the uh, for the headquarters. But Sam Perkins, Derek McKee before his trade to Indiana for uh, Detlef Schrempf, GP, Kemp, Coach Nate McMillan. Uh, let's see, Vincent Askew. Who else am I forgetting? Was Hersey on that team? Or was that Kendall Gill? Kendall Gill. Hersey was not there until just before the, when they went to the finals against the Bulls in 96. So I mention this because Charles Barkley, who won the MVP that year for the Suns, played one of the greatest games of his career. I believe he had a 40-20 Game 7 closeout to send Phoenix to the final. So what I want to start with is in 91, you guys beat Magic and the Lakers. Granted, they were not the Showtime Lakers anymore, but still a very good team. In 92, and we've talked about this, you beat Drexler, Porter, Jerome Kersey, may he rest in peace, Kevin Duckworth, may he rest in peace, Buck Williams, and a very good Portland Trailblazers team. Take us back to knowing you guys were getting the Suns, knowing the level Barkley was at, knowing how terrific Kevin Johnson was and some of the other players on that team. What do you remember about the preparation for that series against Phoenix in 93, which of course started with two games on the road? 
what what I remember most was that was the first time we were in the finals and we didn't have the home court advantage. That's what I remember most. And back then the the way the games were played, two three two. And I just remember having the mindset of game one was like a mulligan. Go for it. Okay. And whenever I watch the game and 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 it just you know you recall certain things. I remember the emphasis that Phil Jackson and staff put on let's win the very first quarter of the first game. Wow, he drilled it down to that. Win the first quarter of quarter, the first game. First game. With the reason being is let's make sure that they know they're going to be in for a fight this game. We didn't come here to play the game. We didn't come here to try to make a statement. We just wanted to come here to say, we have to win four games and it's going to be a fight. And we want to win the very first quarter. I just remember the emphasis on us making that statement at the very first. We didn't want to come in and fill our way through the game. Let's come here and win the first quarter and then go from there. You guys won that first quarter 34 to 20. Okay. I did, that's, that's, I, I, I just, there's certain things that just, you know, you just triggered a, a, a you know, I haven't talked about this in, I don't know how long it's been, but 28 years. It, yeah. <laughs> but I re, I remember that. And okay. So once you win the first quarter, now the team has to make a decision. But whatever the game plan is, that might not work. So am I going to fight or am I going to stick to the game plan? And that to me was key. So the very first game, we went in with the mindset, we went in the first quarter. And then let's figure out the other three quarters, but let's win that quarter and make a statement and then see how they respond. Well, we had a good feeling that, oh, they didn't know they thought they were in a boxing match, but they didn't really understand that they were in a fight, a street fight. And we were able to catch that game. Yep. Okay. Game two. Let's see if they respond. Do they know the difference between a boxing match and a street fight? And before we knew it, we looked up. We had a chance to win that game. They didn't realize they were in in a street fight until, until like they were, until they were in, in, Chicago. in Chicago. That's when they finally realized and they got over whatever they were getting over. I think that was their first time being in the finals for many of those guys. They didn't mm-hmm. realize they were in a street fight to like I think game 3 or something like that. I think they won game 3 if they I remember won, correctly. Yeah, they won game 3 and they won three game, and they're in five. game 5. Okay, yeah. So it took them two games for them to realize that whatever the rules were in a boxing match doesn't apply to a street fight. And then we had already won two games already. We we go up 3-1 in the series. And then game five, I give them credit. Game five, we wanted to close it out. That's the game we wanted to close it out. And Charles made, it was like, it was a classic game. Okay, we knew it was going to get down to the end. And we were going to execute. And Char- I, if I remember, Charles stole a ball or something. He did something. He did something. Yep. But he made a great play at the end of the game. Now. Yeah. Well, game three is uh, 
let's just rewind for a minute. Game three, you guys up 2-0, going back home, goes to three overtimes. In game three. In, in game three. Phoenix yeah. playing for their life, and as you said, figured out they were in a street fight. Street goes fight. for three overtimes. Yeah. Charles Barkley, 29 points. I'm sorry, 24 points, 19 rebounds, four assists. Dan Marley, 28 points. Kevin Johnson, 25 points. Dumas, I mean, they had seven guys in double figures. Obviously, it went to triple overtime, plenty mm-hmm. more game time. But I remember watching that game. It was thrilling. And then in game five, playing for their lives, um, Charles had that big uh, that big play and that big steal. Um, I didn't mean to interrupt you there. Finish your thought, and then I'll uh, I'll take this. No, uh, no, uh, yeah, I just, that's what I that's what I remember. I, I, yeah. That's what I remember. And they were a really good team, and we respected them. They had shooters. Yeah. Clearly, they had a player. You know, when I, I, I there's levels to this, Eric. You know, there's regular season play, and that's that's that to me that's been the biggest narrative that has been taken out of the media is like. The analytics somehow has trumped like championship level basketball. Yep. Everyone knows the following. Crazy. I get it. There's nothing wrong with analytics. There's nothing wrong with three-point shooting. There's nothing wrong with all of those things. PER and true shooting. Okay, that's fine. If that works. Championship caliber basketball is. You know, it's not new school. It's not old school. It's just true school. Championship caliber basketball will never change. It will never change. Okay? They do all this three-point shooting, but why when we get to the playoffs, everyone does the mid-range? Why do we go to the post in the playoffs? Why do we put a value on getting to the free throw line so that we can get our defense set? Why are we making sure we pass up good shots to get great shots? Why are all the coaches trying to get as many uncontested shots as they can possibly get by making sure they always have the proper spacing and ability to attack? Okay, that's championship caliber basketball. What the analytics have done is try to bypass and get rid of championship caliber basketball and replace it with analytics, which it doesn't work. Why doesn't it work? Because you can't win without the balance of being able to score from the perimeter and, and and get the proper penetration against really good defensive teams. Every team you play in during the regular season, they aren't as good as the better teams in the NBA. That's why they are the better teams. It's going to require more discipline, Eric, for you and I to get off a shot versus a good defensive team than a mediocre defensive team. That's what the analytics can't see. When you're looking at these teams today, okay, when you're looking at these teams, these teams now, these teams that put so much emphasis on the analytics, once they get to the playoffs, they can't perform. They can't perform. Why? Because there's levels to this. I, in 1946, 1980, 1990, 2021, you better have a player who can play below the free throw line. You better have yeah. a player. Yeah, you've you, you, done that before. Yep. You, 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 Doesn't matter no, what we, position you, you, they play. I, I don't care. Be able to get it done. I yep. don't care if it's Charles Barkley in 19, what is that, 93? 
Yep. Michael Jordan in 1991, Shaquille O'Neal in the 2000, Tim Duncan. Okay. You say, well, what about the Golden State Warriors? Well, you know what? The Golden State Warriors were interesting is because that was the first time that we saw a player that can shoot with the level of accuracy from the three-point line and Steph Curry and Klay Thompson and those guys. But whenever they would run a play out of a timeout, they would always throw the ball in the post to Draymond and run split cuts. Yep. And then Kevin Durant was the one player that they could play below the free throw line and last four minutes of a game. LeBron James, Anthony Davis, wherever, whoever. Well, there's been LeBron James for what the last nine or ten years. So he, Kobe, Kobe, Kobe Bryant, Bryant, KG, AJ, Paul Pierce. Pierce. You, you better have one. So when they get done saying all of this three-point shooting, the, you know what's been interesting about the, the Phoenix Suns? Devin Booker has been fabulous. Mid-range. Mid-range. Think about this. He this guy that, shoots gets, with the best of them. The, he gets to that elbow extended. It's He's getting to that elbow, my man. Hey, and he has a post game too. Yep. He likes, the, what, he likes the contact down there. He's which getting I, to I the love. post game. He's getting to the mid range. Chris Paul is getting to the mid range. DeAndre Ayton, you could throw him the ball. He don't get a lot of touches, but you could throw him the ball down there on that box a little bit if yep. need be. And, and you know what I love about him on that block? He just turns to his shoulder, the shoulder. makes the Jesus. easy play because he's big and he's athletic and he knows if he gets to his spot, there's nothing you can do to affect him get, getting his shot up. So what I what I it, the point I'm making is is that some things will never change, Eric. And when I look at players, I go, okay, I just look for the players who could play for the full 48 minutes and who could play in the last four minutes. When I turn up my defense and who could get the, get to the operating area. There's two areas, Eric, that all great players have played, played in and will continue to play from. They can either play on the box or they can play at the elbow. Those are the two areas which requires you to double team. And one of those areas, when you play at the elbow or the pinch post, whatever you want to call it, you can't double team at the pinch post. That's why Michael Jordan... Kobe Bryant, Tim Duncan, all of those guys got to the elbow. You, that's the one place on the floor you cannot double team. So Tim Duncan would catch the ball the first 36, 40 minutes on the post. And then the last four minutes, Popovich had a trump card. He could put Tim Duncan at the elbow. And then Tim Duncan got so clever and bored with just beating you from the elbow, he slid over to like some unknown area only he knows how to play from and he starts shooting a bank shot should i double team him the should i stay wing. at home the near i don't wing. know what it was he oh no I, i've named it it's called the near yeah, wing okay the near he played from the near wing now we could all sit here and go to san antonio way okay well let me tell you what the san antonio way was tim duncan could play from areas that other players couldn't play from and if you have a player at any level that can play from the elbow or the low post, you can play championship caliber basketball because you can't win a championship without playing from one or both of those areas. Great it's point. a little secret, Eric. Don't tell anyone. <laughs> I want to put a bow on this back to the 90s real quick. Um, 
you know, we know how great of a player Charles Barkley was. Obviously, he, oh, he was he, MVP he was that incredible. year. But incredible. a guy who I think gets lost in the shuffle over time, who if he played in today's NBA would be absolutely unstoppable, and that's Kevin Johnson. Can you paint a picture for how special of a talent and a player KJ was? KJ was quick. He was athletic. He was strong. You know, he was a, he was a you know people didn't realize he's very athletic. He, he was a very athletic guard. He was very very athletic. Has, has one of the greatest guard on big dunks of all time. Yeah, Akeem Olajuwon. And um, you know the thing I respected most about him in, in that era is. Most of the guards who played that position, it was it was like it was required for you to understand how to run a team, how to manage a game, how to manage the game, right? Now you see a lot of scoring guards who are mimicking the position. But in that era, right, everyone knew how to manage the game. Like time and score was part of the duties of being a point guard, whether you were a scoring guard or not, right? Mark Jackson, time and score. John Stockton, time and score. Mark Price, time and score. Tim Hardaway, myself, Mookie Blaylock, Sherman Douglas, Sherm. Kuhn Richardson, Sherm. Derek Harper, yeah, Fats Lever, Magic Johnson, Isaiah Thomas. That was required that you manage the game. John Bagley, DJ, DJ. That was like understood. Gary Ty- Payton, Terry Tyrone Muggsy Bogues. That was that was understood. Rod Strickland. The list goes on of guys who knew all knew how to manage time and score. Kevin Johnson, Jason Kidd. I mean, I remember one year they had three guards on their team: Jason Kidd, Kevin Johnson. And 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 Steve Nash was like the third guard on 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 that on one of those Phoenix teams. I mean, just think about that. Steve Nash was the third guard on that team. That's right. That was when Nash was drafted. KJ was still around, and then later it became Kid Penny Nash yes. before Nash went to Dallas. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. It was just it was required that you understood. So what I remember most about KJ. You know, Tim Hardaway and those guys was, yeah, they could score. Gary Payton, those guys could score. But they could, they were unbelievable at managing the game. That's what I remember. KJ was terrific athlete, scored a lot of points. But he really was, I mean, he was he was a problem. Frightening going downhill. And I just, you know, obviously back then, hand-checking, physicality on the perimeter. And you look at his numbers – BJ, at the age of 30 in 96, 97, which was his last healthy season, he got 20 points and nine assists a game. Yeah, I mean, these, these guys were, I mean, he, I mean, no, these guys he, were playing. Uh, it, it, listen, he was, he was a special player. And I just, that, I that just era, remember, though, yeah. I just remember, though, watching him and having a guard on his heels. And being able to, I mean, literally like a sports car. And he'd go right at your chest, back you up, and then the moment he got to that near wing or elbow area, the emergency brake was pulled. Whoever's guarding him, you, Paxson, 
Tim Hardaway, Gary Payton, whoever, was still in a stance backing up, and he's already up into his jump shot before you can even react. That's that's how just explosive and, and shifty he was. Along well, I mean, with yeah. his ability to change direction and change speeds. Well, the, the thing is, the thing that made him special was, without questioning, he had the ability, again, Eric, you know, I, I to be really good, you have to take away something. And there were some really, really good players, but there was like some phenomenal players. Like Kevin Johnson, as good as he was, Isaiah Thomas was that much better. Mm. You know, you played against some of these guys and you go, man, he's really, really good. But Magic Johnson was just like, he was something a little different. You know, you, Kevin Johnson was great. And what made Kevin Johnson great was he could finish with his left hand. Mm. Okay. You couldn't be a great guard and not finish with your left hand especially playing in that era because of the physicality of the game. There were a lot of guards who could get to the basket, but there weren't a lot of guards who could take the punishment that, you know, required when you drove to the basket, let alone be able to finish. Rod Strickland was one of those guards who could do it. Gary Payton played with his left hand. All of the very best of the best guards whether they're Kyrie Irving now, Derrick Rose, John Wall, they all play in the paint with their left hand. Yep. It's 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 a known fact for every little guard that's great. If you want to play in there, you got to be able to take the punishment, you got to take the hit now. But you got to be able to do it with your left hand. That's that's what made Kevin Johnson terrific because he was a stocky little guard, but he could finish with his left hand. So for many guys, they do the crossover as just a move. Kevin Johnson hits you with the crossover, but he he was so good, he didn't really have to crossover because he beat you on the initial move to get to his left hand. That's what made him so good. Like, these guys are just doing a move. Kevin Johnson would dribble. A, I, I, can, I, I can remember the scouting report with Kevin, with, with Kevin Johnson. Bef- he had, he had a, a rhythm that he played with. He would only start his move when he would dribble with his right hand. I don't know why, but hmm. I just picked up on it. So when he would come, he wouldn't, if he, if, if he put it in his left hand, he never would attack you. Before he would attack you, he would always put it in his right hand. And the reason I remember that is because I, 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 I can remember watching the tape and figuring out how I was going to dictate to him what he was going to do and how he was going to do it. And before he would make a move, he would always put it in his right hand because he was a right-handed player. Now, most right-handed players would do that. He would put it in his right hand. He would drive you to your left with his right hand. Put it through his legs to get to his left because he could finish with his left hand. If you recovered, very rarely would you make a third, would you make a third effort? So you cut him off with the initial right hand. Yep. You would cut him off. If he if you cut him off to the left, then he could come with the crossover and he was at the basket. 
Okay. Tim Hardaway perfected the third move. Tim Hardaway never really tried to beat you on the first move. He didn't try to beat you on the second move. But the third move was the move when he was gone. He was like, dude. He was like dancing with you. And then when you said, oh, I got this guy, he would take it to So he he played backwards. Kevin Johnson's initial thrust was like hard. The second one was hard. And but very rarely will you find a guy who would give that third effort. Like, you know, like that, that's an that's an extremely really good defensive player. Yeah. And I can remember playing against him saying, I wasn't gonna let him start ever the move without dictating how he was gonna play. And that was my defensive plan versus him. Because it wasn't like you're gonna stop the guy, even though I could hand check him. I just I wasn't gonna let him get to his trifecta ever during the course of the game, if I could. There were some times you couldn't, but for the most part, I was going to... So I picked him up full court to always... If you if you watch the film, if you I always made him... Once he put it in his left hand, I would put my left hand and I would almost try to hold his right hand. Just keep so him that, on his left. Just keep just him on his big, left. He was going to start his move from the left side. He was going to start that move... Whatever his little... Rhythm was yeah. he was going to start it in his left hand. Take him out of the comfort zone. Yep. Take him so that so whenever he would I would take him up. So whenever we would call that escorting him up the floor, I was his personal <laughs> escort. So <laughs> what funny. I would do is I would get on his right shoulder and say, "Okay, we're going to just do this dance with you in the left hand." Now whatever you do with it, let's see. But <laughs> I don't. Let's see what you're going to do. Let's see what you're going to do. And I made sure that the bigs, your only responsibility is to try to block his shot with your right hand because he's going to shoot it with this because I was going to take away the floaters and the runners. And I don't know if it worked or not, but he never got into that Kevin Johnson mode where he could just attack, attack, attack because he was a monster once he started attacking. And you can't stop these guys. I mean, I'm not saying I stopped the guy, but I had a game plan against this guy because I respected him. I mean, he was a he was a he was a monster. I mean, all those little guards, you know, Mark Price, those guys were just they were just tremendous players. Tremendous Kevin Johnson scouting report, 1993 NBA Finals, back to the 90s, Bulls, Suns. Good stuff, BJ. Uh, we've got a little longer than expected. I mean, this has flown. Uh, before we get out of here, real quick, uh, four new coaching hires. Um, all I want from you is uh, one sentence statement on what you think they bring to the table to their new organization. Let's start with the Pacers and Rick Carlisle returning to Indiana. Um, what is so? Uh, what What do you think is is so ideal about this fit? With St- where stability. That te- where that team is. Stability. Rick Carlisle has been there, done that. This team, I think, I think, looking from the outside with their move, they feel that they underachieved with this group. I think Rick Carlisle has proven he can coach talent. He's going to bring stability to this group, and hopefully, they respond in a way that because this team is good enough to to be in the playoffs. 
and, and play and I think advance. I mean, they, they have, they have some nice pieces over there. Coach kid, Dallas Mavericks. I think coach kid is going to bring, I, I think it's time. You know, I, I remember Hubie Brown telling me this, I don't know, my third or fourth year in the league. And we were talking, we were somewhere and he, he always, he drops jewels and wisdom. And he always told me, he said in the NBA, the toughest thing is to be there for, more than three or four years because the players after three or four years, they tune you out. So yeah. I think Jason Kidd brings a fresh voice. Rick Carlisle is a phenomenal, phenomenal coach, but I think it was time. Like they need to hear a new voice. Now yeah. they need to hear a, yeah, the, the, that, the, that the, along with whatever else was going on in that front office. I think the, 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 yeah, the change is going to help everybody there. You just need to hear a new voice. You know, look, this is the NBA. This, the NBA is a league where, you know, it, it, there's no right, wrong, or indifferent way. All that matters is that you win. So I think Jason Kidd is going to give him a new voice, new energies in the building, new way of playing. I think this is his third head coaching job. So I expect him to do – yeah, this is, oh, this is his uh, third. This is his third. Brooklyn, Milwaukee. Oh, right, right, right. My fault. So, Brooklyn, yeah, Milwaukee, so this yep. is – yeah, so this is his third job. So I expect him – and, you know, winning there in L.A., he, he was a great player. I think he can relate to what Luka's going to go through. I think it's a good fit for them. Coach Billups, Portland Trailblazers. Well, it's interesting to see with Coach Billups because this could be a team where they could retool around Damian Lillard or this could be a total rebuild. We are in a – we're in a great area right there you know, Portland Trailblazer friends of where this organization is at. I don't think it's clear one way or another at this, at this present moment, as we're, you know, here, as we're uh, doing our broadcast, this could be a total rebuild. I think Chauncey is fit for that. Could this be where we're going to retool around Dane, put some different pieces around him? I think Chauncey is ready for that. So I think Chauncey is the guy for the job. Now we have to see which direction the team will go. And I think that will all hinge on whether or not they can repair, which appears to be on the outside, that there's a little, there's a fracture in the relationship right now between the front office and Damian Lillard. I don't know how true it is, but if it goes one way or another, I think Chauncey Billups will be prepared either way. Is that fracture because of what, I mean, talk about bringing out things from the past. I mean, I didn't even remember that. Uh, what do we call it? An allegation? There were no charges ever filed with Chauncey back yeah, in Yeah, I mean, look, yeah, you can, you I can, mean, yeah, listen. You, when you, I first heard it, I caught it in the middle of a conversation at uh, halftime. It was halftime of ESPN. I thought they were talking about, of course, what unfortunately happened with Jason Kidd years ago. I had no idea there was anything out there with Billups. And again, no charges were ever filed. This is an allegation, and I could not believe the things that were then coming up about the fan base and the front office. Um, just, just very yeah, surprised I, that that became yeah, such an I, issue. I, I, I just think it's. I, I think this organization right now, they are at their moment of truth because Damian Lillard is a championship caliber player, and I'm sure at some point he. If he doesn't already, he realizes that 
how much longer can he play at this level? I mean, Damian Lillard had perhaps one of, one of, there have been so many, of the greatest individual performances in playoff history. Yep. And he loses. Oh, and no. it's like, so I think at some point here, when you have a player that's capable of giving you 55 points or something on the road and you lose, you got to come to the realization, what more can I do or what more can be done? And I think that's where he's at. So we'll see how this plays out. Last one, Coach Udoka, Boston Celtics. Oh, the C's. The C's are excited. They should be excited. From everything that I've heard, and 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 I know you, him a little bit. You, yeah, yeah, I was gonna say, do you know him personally? Yeah, I I know him a little. You know, I I know him. I you know I don't not we hang out or call, but I know him. You know, where we talk and we can chop it up a little bit. Um, the Celtics should be excited. I think he is prepared for this moment. I don't think this moment is too big for him. And more importantly, you know, he's a terrific young coach. When you talk to him, you clearly know that he understands the game. And the thing about him is that he's a very personable person, right? He, but you, you know, we talk about coaching and X's and O's and everyone talks about that, but they forget that these are people. Well, he will connect with those young guys, talking about Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. I thought that was a great hire of being able to connect with the people. So I thought that was great. I thought the one thing I will say is I think the personalities of the head coach and your two best players, they're all on the same page. Now the Al Horford, that makes sense to me because I think Al Horford and him were together somewhere. I think in Atlanta or somewhere they were together. Yeah, and he was, of course, mm -hmm. with Jalen, Jason, and Marcus, mm -hmm. Marcus on Team USA uh, in 2019. Team USA, yes. So all of this now is beginning to become, is, the picture is now becoming clear, you know, because when the Celtics initially did the move, I thought, that's interesting. They did a move without having a head coach. But clearly there was some dialogue <laughs> going on. Yep. And I think now we have an opportunity to see how they could build this team. Because I think that has always, that's the thing I've always said, Eric. Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum now are deserving for the team to be built around their talents. And I think this is the very first step. I think the coach is hired with that in mind. The players from this point forward will be hired from with that in mind. And then we'll see how good these guys really are because it was, they were piecemealing this thing before. And I think now is where we say, okay, everything is going to be centered around these two and let's figure out if we can make a deep playoff run with these guys as the centerpiece to this organization. And I thought that was a good hire. And due to the um, financial flexibility that they uh, created with the Horford for Kemba Walker trade, which also brought back a talented seven footer in Moses Brown. Um, the Celtics still have, uh, I believe 11 million dollars on that exception from the Gordon Hayward trade and part of their mid-level. And th there could be some, some key additions to help support these guys along what? with who knows what trade opportunities present themselves. But I, I think, you know, it's been interesting the last five years, you can talk about like, was this a good season for the Celtics or was this a step back? And it's literally alternated now the last four years. And um, I, I think the only way to go here is up. So um, definitely optimistic about this. Everything I've heard about him, read about him, heard him at his press conference, et cetera, et cetera. 
Well, I just want to say this, Eric, and not to play spoiler on any of the Celtics and all of the the cap situation because you know it makes you feel good, right? You know, cap space, draft picks. Well, it makes it it it, it it's positive because it gives them some options. They're not yeah yeah yeah, yeah yeah completely yeah. It doesn't it doesn't rain it doesn't it, rain in L.A. Why are you trying to rain on my on my? I'm not trying to right rain. Now? I'm not trying there's to. There's a thunderstorm headed my. There's way a lot right of now. teams. There's a lot of teams with cap flexibility. Yep. And the players still never come. <laughs> okay. Oh, this is true. Oh, I'm not saying uh, they're going to court some big free agent, but you, uh, Jay Crowder's the perfect example. Who is that key vet role guy that now wants to go help Jalen and Jason and Marcus and play for Coach Udoka? That's right. all I'm alluding to. Okay, I'm. A, I just want to say this because it's you and I. Just, just I'm just saying this for you. You can't win that. a championship with cap space. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for clarifying that for me. Okay, I just want for you to everybody know that. listening out there, BJ, say it again. You can't win a championship with cap space. So I just want to say this to my good friend Eric as he's touting all of the brilliant moves of his favorite team. <laughs> okay, we could paint this picture however we want to paint it. Right now, Robert Parrish ain't walking through that door. We the, right now. Let's start from ground zero. Kevin this McHale ain't walking time. through that door. Yeah, we, we can see Kevin <laughs> McHale and all these guys. Kevin McHale and Robert Parrish Larry are Bird phenomenal players. That door. But Larry Bird is the difference maker. See, this yeah. is what we got to find out now. If Jalen and Jason fit. can be that. One or both. One or both. Yep. Okay. Now, what we got to find out with Jason Tatum, Jay, this is what I'm interested with Jason Tatum, and then we, because we could go on about this. USA basketball, when these guys get to the Olympics and All Star game, I always look for the players who defer to who. It's always important for me to watch this. Mm, yep. I'm always interested because the players, there's another little secret here, but you know, no one's listening. The players always tell you who's the best player. They always tell you. We don't listen because we want to be right and our egos want to be right. You know, Eric's going to say this guy's the best player. I want to say this guy's the best player. And then we can go back and forth. Well, my guy has a better jump shot. This guy has a better. The players always tell you at the All-Star game and in USA Basketball who the best player is. You know why I'm really interested about USA Basketball? It's because... Kevin Durant is playing. I'm interested to see if Kevin Durant is going to defer to anybody else on the team. I think I already know the answer, but I just want to see. And then I want to see if there's another player who's not going to defer to Kevin Durant. Interesting. All of the other... Kobe Bryant never deferred to anybody when he played on USA Basketball. LeBron, Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh, all of those guys deferred no, to him. But, but but what he did do, though, is he did take on that defensive stopper role, which helped set the tone for that team. That I remember. But he, okay, now, you know who's always an interesting player to me ever since he was in high school was Carmelo. Because Carmelo... As soon as you say Team USA, you think Carmelo, of course. Carmelo never defers. Mm. Okay, but... Kobe stamped him. 
I want to see now, and I'm just this is just you and I talking. I want to see if Jason Tatum mm. is going to do what I knew 23 was going to do at the 92 Olympics. He wasn't going to defer to Larry Bird. He wasn't going to defer to Magic Johnson. He wasn't going to defer to any of these guys. Barkley, Ewing, Robinson, Ewing, uh, Drexler, the list goes And on. what's amazing to me is I knew then he wasn't going to defer, but they all were going to defer to him. That's the difference. You understand? Oh, yeah. All of the stuff we're saying in the narratives doesn't really matter to me. I am going to watch the Olympics, not to see who wins the gold. I really want to see now who is the best player in the USA so that I can know who the best player is in the world because Luka Doncic, I don't think he's going to defer now. Giannis is not going to defer now. Jokic, I don't think he would defer. But there's no way for me to see them other than to see him in the All-Star game. But Jokic, I can't really say that because he's a center. Luka Doncic, he's not really... And he passes it like a point guard. Okay, but whenever Luka Doncic gets to a a game game, he goes right at LeBron. He goes right at Kawhi Leonard. He He goes right at Donovan Mitchell. So I'm really excited for USA Basketball because I want to see who thinks he's the best player. I want to see... These young kids on the select team, who thinks he's the best player? So that when I come here and we have our show next next year, there's no debate for me because the players have already told me. And that's why I always watch the All-Star game, just so I can know who the players think is the best player. LeBron James is the best player as long as the players think he's the best player. doesn't matter what I think. If they think Anthony Davis is the best player, then Anthony Davis is the best player. That's the only one that matters. I'm so excited because we are in a, there's no LeBron James. There's no Steph Curry there. Now there's going to be, is it Jalen Brown? Is it, I mean, Jason Tatum? Is it Kevin Durant? Is it Damian Lillard? Who is going and, to... And Harden's playing too, correct? I don't think Harden's playing. I don't think he's playing. Let me double check that before yeah, we check, wrap Yeah, check here. it. But I'm really excited because Jason Tatum is a wonderful scorer, but he doesn't score from the critical areas. And I re- this is what I really want to see. Let's see. I forgot the yeah I forgot the whole roster offhand. Well, Tatum has started scoring a bit from those areas, but not as much yeah. as you want to see. All right, here we go. Bam out of Bayou. Bradley Beal. Devin Booker. Kevin Durant. Jeremy Grant. Draymond Green. Drew Holiday. Zach Levine. Demian Lillard. Kevin Love. Chris Middleton. Jason Tatum. Correct. Harden is out. So that's what I want that's to a, see, that's Eric. A, that's a that's a nice roster. I just want to see. I, I I just want to see who thinks they're the best player. Okay. Yeah, I mean you've got Book, Beal, Tatum. Middleton's just not the type, but he's playing some great ball. I Book, just want to see who Beal, Tatum looking at Durant, and I wonder what the mindset is going to be. That's a great one point. of the one of the greatest 
teams I've been around was in 2000, I think it's 2000 and I can't remember, 2010 or what, I can't remember one of these teams. Which team? USA Basketball, Kevin Durant. Okay, all of these guys were young. Mm-hmm. Was, was it an Olympic basketball. year or was it a world championship year? World championship year. It's world so championship. 20, 2010 right? Yep. yep 2010. Yep. Kevin Durant, MVP. Derrick Rose, MVP. Russell Westbrook, MVP. Steph Curry, two-time MVP. Oh, wow. All, all well before. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It was a phenomenal team. Is because every client that was there, and I was there for the entire time. I encouraged them to be the best player. And you know who was the starting point guard on that team? Or starting guard on that team? Chauncey Billups. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. You know, I almost See. went on that I almost went on that trip with Nike basketball. Yeah. That's that, really funny. That, that was that was that was one of the greatest teams because they were all young. They were all going to be next kind of like this team and they all came with the idea of trying to be the very best player Derrick Rose was MVP that following, following year. year wow yep okay so whenever I was with those teams with a client like if I was with the teams now I'm encouraging that player let's figure out who's the best let's not debate it anymore I learned that I learned that Early in the NBA, you don't go to the all-star game to be an all-star. You go to the all-star game to let everybody know, put them on notice. I'm the best player. You didn't go to the 92 Olympics to just be in Barcelona. You went there with the idea. I got to make sure that everyone knows I'm the best so that I can win the championships for the next two or three years. Somehow that got lost in going to the next generation. I don't know why, why it's got lost. They go to the All-Star game and they want to hang out. These guys are going to the All-Star game in our generation to like, okay, Send I a can message. get a I'm, I'm sending messages here. I'm the best player. I'm not deferring to anybody. I'm not deferring to anybody. Why? Because you're the best player. That to me is what makes competition great. So... Eric, you and I, this should be fun in July. I can't wait. I'm excited because are you we going out are there? My, of course not. <laughs> <laughs> of course I'm not. Going I'm, not to watch leave, I'm not leaving this leaving room. <laughs> I'm not leaving. But I'm really, really looking forward to who's going to come out of this as the best player. There you go, my awesome. friend. Radar is up. Great show today, my friend. Covered a lot. Congratulations again to the Phoenix Suns. They will take on the Milwaukee Bucks or the Atlanta Hawks. And uh, we'll see what happens with the rest of that series. Back to the 90s was fun, as was this uh, rapid fire about the new coaches and USA basketball. Special thanks, as always, to editor Kristen Woolley, the one and only Bruce Bernstein and the entire Pure Hoops Media family. Check out the Mike Wise Show, dropping each and every Monday. Catch and Shoot 2.0, Wednesdays with Aaron Berlin and Otto Strong. Buckets, Boards, and Blocks, Thursday with King McClure and superstar Monica McNutt. Pure Hoops Podcast, BJ Armstrong and Eric Newman each and every Friday. Stay healthy, stay safe, have a very happy Independence Day weekend. Stay away from those fireworks and stay pure. Peace.
The Pure Hoops podcast is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media.